Welcome to the Therapeutic Bullshit Podcast, where we become better therapists by cutting through our own bullshit. As therapists, we like to get high on our own excuses. Unfortunately, we don't often confront what it means when we lose our authenticity and our ability to connect with our own humanity. Welcome to all the shit you don't want to see. I always want to start our podcast with a laugh. Why? <laughs> because it sounds so good. And the reason why we were laughing was because I start to click play and not record. So that's where we were. We could just do it over and over and over again. No. I feel a lot of hesitation or not even hesitation maybe, but like I was the one who proposed this topic and yeah. now I just have huge, like I'm noticing like I kind of have a pit in my stomach or not in my stomach. And I just feel like nervous, which oh. is so interesting. Well, if it does become like too much, we can always stop this podcast. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I think it's really important, though. Yes. Also, why did you choose this? I... <laughs> uh, gosh, because there's a lot. OK, so the topic today mm-hmm. is grief. Just, dun, dun, dun. just notice what happens. I, I love how we just like no no comment, no me like whoa that's gross. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just yeah grief. Yeah, it's one of those topics that's hard to joke about. Yeah, and it's one that we joke about a lot, in a lot of um, interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things we're going to talk about today are essentially what happens for us as therapists when we are experiencing grief Mm -hmm. um we do a lot of grief work and yet i've met many clinicians who say oh like i don't like doing grief work yeah you're right yeah and that's often because we have a complicated relationship to grief ourselves because we all do um I think if we're talking about, you know, a Eurocentric white culture, we don't have a lot of good ways of metabolizing grief. Yeah, that was one of the hardest things, at least for me, coming to America was that, like, no one did anything for death. Where in the Philippines, we have this huge, like, routine and culture around, like, what do you do and what goes next? And it's nice and... Mm -hmm you know what's going to happen and then we do amazing proper grief. Yeah. And so I think that's something to just notice like for yourself um, as you're listening to this episode, if you make it this far, <laughs> so they're going to be like, they're talking about grief. Skip. Bye. <laughs> Skip. No, stay with us, Bye. please. Yes. No, this is really, really important. Um, yeah. And so just as we talk about this work, acknowledging that it's, tender work mm-hmm. and that you know do what you need to do to take care of yourself um and also starting with that initial question what is your cultural context for grief like what cultural dimensions influence impact or shape your understanding of what it means when we lose something whether we lose a person mm-hmm. a time in our life um some concept you know whether that's how we conceive of ourselves or conceive about someone else yeah you know so those are the things that we we sometimes take for granted you know or we we try not to dwell on them 
And I think this is our opportunity to dwell. (laughs) So do we want to give like a brief description of like what? Yes. But first I would like to start us off with a quote. Okay. And I apologize. The quote is by Lewis, but I don't actually know who Lewis is. So this was by Lewis in 1968. And they said, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. I am not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the yawning. I keep on swallowing. At other times, it feels like being mildly drunk or concussed. There is a sort of invisible blanket between the world and me. I find it hard to take in what anyone says, or perhaps hard to want to take it in. Hmm. I'm really curious what uh, your thoughts are out there. Um, if you have anything to share, that'd mm-hmm. be cool to see it in your comments. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and I guess kind of going back, which I realized I didn't even really answer your question because <laughs> I didn't want to answer your question. But, avoid, avoid, avoid. Right. But why I brought it up as the topic to do. Mm-hmm. So recently um, we lost a really dear friend of ours who was a member of our graduate community um, and they were an amazing practitioner of many dimensions of healing and were very involved in their spiritual community and shamanism and we had a lot of overlap as far as you know not only our interests such as like Enneagram work psychodrama work um, but having had many powerful, potent experiences around oppression and lifting each other up in very difficult situations. Um, it, the loss was sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really, really tragic accident, as far as we know. And we don't have a lot of details, honestly. No. And so that's something since that happened... Um, I began to think a lot about grief and I have my own complicated relationship as so many of us do with how, how do we grieve? Mm -hmm. Um, how do I grieve? And so that's why I think today, you know, it's, there has been some time now that has passed, um, since they passed away and it just feels like like the the intersection between still potent enough and yet there's still there's some distance that I feel like I could talk about it without mm-hmm. you know bursting into tears yeah <laughs> on the radio which would also be okay um but yeah that's kind of what what started it anyway in my mind yes and then of course to relate that to our podcast and then that got us thinking about how does grief Mm-hmm. affect us in the room mm-hmm. and how does our culture around it our attitudes around it our emotional displays around it um, all those nonverbal cues um, may cause a what is it not a not a riff between the relationship but a rupture a rupture ah, mm-hmm. a rupture in the relationship unknowingly right because if you're experiencing grief and you're not really aware of like how you're feeling what you're saying mm-hmm. you know what your mind your face is mm-hmm. looking like then 
Um, and many of us don't say it. No. You know, like we don't, some of us, you know, and everybody has a different uh, comfort level with self-disclosure with mm-hmm. clients. Um, but when we don't disclose that we are grieving something or someone it is still with us in the room and that can become right the really fertile ground for Mm -hmm. some really deep work if we can host it within ourselves yes so okay (laughs) i mean (laughs) take a a lot i know i just need to like (sighs) okay yeah feel it in your body yeah i feel heavy all of a sudden yeah, I feel out of breath. Yeah. And I haven't even really talked. So just let's just take a minute and you can join us as you're listening to us. Just kind of mm-hmm. check in with ourselves because, yeah, I'm feeling a lot of sort of physical activation, even though I'm kind of talking lightly about it. Yes. Um, but my arms feel heavy. My legs feel heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's interesting just even talking about how your body feels. I don't know if it alleviates things for me, but it actually makes me feel it more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least at least in my case where I generally don't like to feel. Actually, mm-hmm. I have a hard time feeling my body in general. Mm-hmm. So when we verbalize how my body feels, it, mm-hmm. it suddenly becomes real. Yeah. So if so, that's you, just notice. <laughs> yeah. 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 And for me, it's very cognitive. It's very in my head. Mm-hmm. Um. I experience a lot of anxiety. Um, I'm actually a very anxious person <laughs> no, in general. And um, as a result, I feel it in my body mm-hmm. um, in that sort of anxious realm of, mm-hmm. you know, heart palpitations, chest pain, um, stomach, stomach pain. And that, not like pain. That's not the right word. But like um, upset stomach, not wanting to eat, not wanting to mm-hmm. drink. Um yeah, feeling like my body is not safe. Mm. And then mine is emptiness. Mm-hmm. So I always try to figure out how to um, make it more full. So I go with numbing ways of foods, um, mm-hmm. drinking, mm-hmm. or just anything that needs to be consumed to feel grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I also do it. And then I also like to isolate uh that doesn't work yeah. <laughs> um none of these are the greatest skills but that's where my body does go to yeah where i'm like oh that makes sense you're feeling hungry no <laughs> i want to eat my pain away that's what it is so yeah as you're listening just notice if that's true for you you know whether that's you know do you feel it more in your body is it more in your head more in your heart yeah do you prefer the company of others when you're grieving do you prefer or seek isolation mm-hmm. you know does it serve you does it mm-hmm. deepen it does it widen it do you avoid mm-hmm. yeah these are all really valid experiences of this really complex as like this complex reality that we will we are we are creatures that are dying every single day Ugh. I know we're about to get existential. So every day we inch closer to our own mortality Mm -hmm. and we really have little control actually in the face of many aspects of life. Um, So I think grief is one of those things that in sharp contrast 
to this feeling of, oh, well, I can heal myself and I can, you know, um, overcome great adversity. Mm-hmm. Grief often represents, you know, a, a permanence yeah. that is, you know, and, and again, there's different philosophies and different spiritual beliefs and different um, realities around that. Mm-hmm. But it is an end to something. Yes. Now, it can also be a beginning to something right. else. However, I think it's it's the ending part that we tend to skip. Yes, that is true. I'm reading this really cool mm-hmm. uh, website on goodtherapy.org. Mm-hmm. And I've never really looked into defining mm-hmm. specific things. So this one says grief is a reaction to any form of loss. Yes. Which we all experience. All at of us. all the all I mean that's even like my mom throwing away my toys mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um, also, unintentionally <laughs> she thought I was done with it and then of course you I were not done with it obviously not because I was so pissed <laughs> oh no but then this is interesting it says bereavement is a type of grief involving the death of a loved one right which is really I think where we're at mm-hmm. um So bereavement and grief encompass a range of feelings from deep sadness to anger. Um, And then the process of adapting to a significant loss can vary dramatically, vary dramatically from one person to the other. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that depends on the person's background, beliefs, and relation to what was lost. And I think what's important to note about that, right, is that bereavement like so we say the loss of a loved one there are so many ways that we love people Mm -hmm. and And, things yeah and when we think about even the loss of celebrities yes in the social sphere i mean people are deeply impacted by those losses can we just talk about robin williams can we please not i will actually cry (laughs) um No, but so so just notice like that for me brings up a lot you Mm -hmm. know i have a lot of association like with Robin Williams, um, you know, his work and, you know, how he spoke about mental health and how he was open about his struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And, and I'm for many people, you can remember a situation where someone was gone, whether that was, you know, yeah, in the media or in your personal life. Um, right. There's a lot of different kinds. So, (laughs) that being said, do we want to go and share? Yeah, so we were going to talk about bereavement and culture. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of, we started talking about that. And going back to, um, like, certain aspects of grief are pretty universal. Mm -hmm. um, And most cultures have some sort of ritual of mourning after death. So, you know, whether that's a funeral, memorial service... Um, you know, other sorts of ritualistic activities, Mm -hmm. celebrations, things that mark that ending or transition or ascendance, depending on what your, um, what your belief structure is. Mm. Um, so we were going to talk a little bit about, uh, three different aspects of that, Mm -hmm. which is attitude towards death, remembrance of the deceased or how we remember people who have gone Mm -hmm. and emotional displays. And so in this particular context, we are talking about bereavement, which is the actual loss of a a loved one. Yes. So attitude towards death. Wow. Okay. How about, so 
It's saying death is often depicted as something to fight or resist. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's that's in Western cultures. Okay, that's yeah. what I missed. Yeah, so death de- denying traits. Okay, so many Western cultures have that where it's, yeah, it's something, you know, it's like, like man versus nature. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it like, you know, narrative style. Um, and then Eastern cultures, you know, tend to and again we are generalizing vastly here so i just want to acknowledge that but like you know looking at death as a part of life um so more of a transition than an end um and yalom talks a lot about this as well death anxiety and mortality and so the reason so we are going to talk about our own our own experience of these dimensions and the reason why we are is because and yalom talks a lot about this as well that until we can better understand our own relationship to grief, we will actually struggle to host the grief of others. Yes. Which is why it's interesting mm-hmm. so that when it comes to grief work and therapy yeah. and your immediate reaction is the fuck. Yeah. It's because you don't know. Yeah. So let's get to knowing. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're about to get deep. It's going to be it's going to be gross. Let's <laughs> happen. You're going to you're going to know some things now about us. Yeah. Which is fine. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um so what is your attitude towards death? Um so you know and I have mentioned this a couple times like I I'm an atheist. Um also I I'm not so arrogant as to think that I know that that's true. Um mm-hmm. that's just my own feeling about it. Um that being said, it my attitude is that it gives me deep abiding appreciation and gratitude for every day that i get um so that often becomes a practice for me but it can also right be anxiety producing because sometimes it feels like time is running out Mm. and so i have to you know put that on the balance of if it were to never end, could we really appreciate it? Ugh. Wow. And so I think about that all the time. I'm like, it, every moment matters because we won't always have it. Wow. So that has to be true. And on my side, <laughs> a little bit the opposite. Yeah. Okay. No, so this is good. So for one, death has always been part of life. And I never had any true anxiety around it, which if you listen to the previous podcast before this, I am a type nine. So <laughs> um, that's a feeling and I avoid those things, especially I, avoid fe- I don't do feelings, <laughs> especially anxiety. Um, so when anxiety creeps up around death, I actually don't know what to do. Yeah. And I actually cannot verbalize how, what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. And is this my anxiety around mm-hmm. death? So I have developed a fear of <laughs> riding planes, yeah. flying planes. I'm right. sorry, riding planes. Well, riding in a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, in my whole 30 years, I have flown on a plane more than my hands can count from mm-hmm. like to the Philippines to here to everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it has never crossed my mind that I could die. When did that change? When I turned 30. 
I know. Interesting. So 30 came about and it's also like a really good start of me like really waking up to myself mm. and finally realizing that I am important to myself, mm. which is crazy to suddenly feel an appreciation for mm-hmm. life and for the people around me yeah. and for the people I love mm-hmm. and how much I don't want to lose anybody. Yeah. Like at all. So death recently has become something really scary when it never really used to be so now i'm in that i'm experiencing the anxiety of death as if i have control over it yeah <sighs> yeah that's sort of the con- the illusion of control yes and that's i think that's the anxiety producing part for me is the suddenness of it i have so when I said that, you know, I, I struggle with anxiety. I, I struggle a lot with intrusive thoughts. Um, and many of my intrusive thoughts or, um, obsessive thought routines are around people I love dying in very horrible freak accidents. Now, this recent loss of our friend pretty much fulfilled that, Mm -hmm. that fear that I have. Um, and so, landed in a different way than maybe some other losses might have um i think many of us talking about oh well how would you want to die and it's like oh you know i want to die in my sleep or i want to die surrounded (laughs) by my friends and loved ones and sure also acknowledging that that is not the rule that is the exception yeah yeah oh i know (sighs) so what's it like when i said that terrible it's almost like my breath my my breath went away I suddenly couldn't breathe there Mm -hmm. for a minute because you know that sort of the ability to think that that's what we could do Mm -hmm. does provide my anxiety a way to go away and yeah. then you say it and it's like, oh, hello. I'm back. Well, and I, I mean, yeah. And it, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, right. We can all strive for that. We can all want that. Sure. I think that's beautiful. And, you know, we don't want to become paralyzed, right, by our own anxiety around death. But I think it's yeah. helpful to notice that it's there. You know what I wanted to ask you? Yeah. Ask so me. with the death of our friend. Yeah. Did it. How did it affect you in terms, I mean, you did say, you know, that it sort of fulfilled mm-hmm. one of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Has it made you at all, like, more scared to leave the house or for any of your friends to travel, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. After, after Nuri passed, um, I kind of went into a altered state I'll call it where it was just you know honestly as I'm sitting here trying to remember it's like it was such a blur Mm -hmm. like thinking back trying to like be back in that place and it wasn't even that long ago um is actually really difficult a lot of crying and so I am not a crier I cry very seldomly. It's something that is very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden I was crying 
all the time to the point, you know, my face hurt, my eyes hurt, my throat hurt. Also because I, I've noticed when you don't cry a lot and then you do cry, Mm -hmm. it's weird. It's almost like your body or at least my body is like, what, what? It's like an allergic reaction. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Where I'm like, what is happening? Why is my, my eyes are so swollen. I can barely open them. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I remember during that period of time, I had such gratitude towards Nuri, towards the work that we've all done together. Because in the times when I've lost other people, I couldn't cry. Mm. And so although it was really hard to cry as much as I did, I took it as a good sign that I could. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know. That was kind of, I don't even know. Did that answer your question? It did. Oh, oh, and like, if I was afraid of losing other people. No, in the sense that, because what I realized is that Nuri passing actually was just, um, like, it was symbolic. So, so I believe every time someone dies, Mm-hmm. We sort of relive the deaths of everyone that has come before. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of creates this like, you know, um, inception-y experience where we then have to transition through all the other losses that came before, mm-hmm. before we reach that loss. Yes. Or at least that's what was true for me. So I had to go back and, you know, think about all the people I have lost up to this point. Yeah. And realizing that I, there will be more. Yes. And then for me, I don't want to die. <laughs> it's, you know, I rem- yeah. 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 It's interesting because, like, I would talk to other people, you included, where, like, wow, people are going to die. And my thought was, I'm going to die. Yeah. And I don't know if I can handle dying, even though. You probably yeah. won't even know. But isn't it weird that yes. that's what we're scared of? Where it's like, oh, I couldn't handle dying. And it's like, well, you <laughs> you're dead. A, you don't get a say. <laughs> you're fucking dead. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's very interesting to me that mm-hmm. I cannot accept that I am going to die. Mm-hmm. Period. And so the recent deaths that are coming into my life and this in my adulthood has made me more fearful than I've ever been. Yeah. To a point where I am constantly thinking about if that car uh, is right next to me, does not know that I'm there, Mm -hmm. is going to crash right into me and I'm Mm -hmm. going to die. Or I'm in on the plane and it will just do a nosedive. Mm -hmm. I mean, like all these things are now suddenly in my mind. And this is like an allergic reaction for me. I don't know what to do with anxiety. Mm-hmm. What do people do? I don't know. Welcome to the fucking club. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. It's not okay. It's it's wrong. It feels weird. Mm-hmm. And I have no appropriate skills for anxiety so about then, death. So on that note, let's talk about how we remember the deceased. Because okay. this is also how... This is how I deal with anxiety. Okay. So... Or something, I mean, I don't know if it's, 
I don't know if it's good or bad, and I don't really, you know, believe that it's there's just good what or happens. yeah. Yeah, is sinking into a deep remember, and I think a lot of people do this. You know, we mm-hmm. we start pulling out all the photos we've ever had, yeah, all the videos we've ever had, all the memories or text messages or emails or letters. Mm-hmm. You know, we go through an entire life lived or entire moments lived. Yes. So, um, you know, and. There, so there's some examples here on this this list, and it talks about some cultures such as the Hopi or the Achuar people, which I'm, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. People grieve by attempting to forget as much of the deceased as possible. Hmm. So just imagine, just like notice what that's like, you know, and it may be taboo for loved ones to say the person's name or to touch their belongings. Mm-hmm. Yes. Rituals are done to sever connections with the dead. And then other cultures mourn by sharing memories of the deceased, which is more my cultural experience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people in the Akan region of Ghana often hold elaborate funerals, which may cost a full year's income. The deceased are typically placed in fantasy coffins, personalized with symbols of their life. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, in our, in, in white Euro-American culture, you know, having a funeral or a memorial. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those, you know, I'm, I've seen and heard of, of some people saying, I don't want a funeral. I want a celebration. Mm-hmm. I want people to have a party. Mm. You know, so that's something I'm hearing too. Um, other people, you know, sit Shiva. Um, Jewish people sit Shiva. And, you know, so there's a lot of different rituals. For me personally, you know, I do the thing where, yeah, I go through all the photos, all the letters, every single speck that I have of them mm-hmm. um, that has been captured. Yeah. I will go through them. And then for me, for the Filipino culture, although I'm pretty sure this was um, what the Spanish people brought into in for us mm-hmm. during those colonization periods. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do... Huh, I think it's a two-week process where we have the de- the person who's dead in the coffin mm-hmm. in the house mm-hmm. um, for those two weeks for people around the town to come in and out as they please to sit with them to bring them their favorite foods and to talk s- about stories of how great they were or memories that they you know love and at night there is a huge feast every night for that for those two weeks where people will eat, be joyful, and sing karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Awesome. That's awesome. I My uncle died in February and I went to the Philippines. And once I arrived in my hometown, I was greeted with people singing karaoke and my uncle in his coffin right next to them. Hmm. So, Is it an open casket or closed? Yes. So you see all of it. Yes. Um... So it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And and then, of course, like after those t- uh, time has passed on the last day, we do a walk. I'm not really sure what it would be called in English, mm-hmm. but we would hold on to the casket. <clears throat> what is it in Telegram? I don't know what it I actually. Okay. But yeah. um, and we would walk the whole entire town all all around mm-hmm. into the church. Mm-hmm. So it's Catholic. And then walk back out into the cemetery mm-hmm. for the burial. Mm. Um, 
and then say our last goodbyes there everyone is then given like a symbolic flower mm-hmm. for us to throw into the cof- um to the what is it called in english where it's the cemetery and where you put the coffin inside oh the um the grave the grave yeah right and we say our last goodbyes and then go home eat and sing karaoke some more mm. so that has been my way of grieving you know all the way up to my 16 year old self mm-hmm. and really no one has truly died that was close to me until this year where two people died mm. um so it was very hard it was beautiful to do the filipino way to like yeah grief that way um versus like the westernized one i was definitely way more shut off for the westernized one mm-hmm. versus the one in the philippines where like it's in your face <laughs> yeah yeah you know? it's in your face um everyone is doing it yeah and it's it's an immediate acceptance like i see you yeah and you are dead mm-hmm and it's 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 very interesting and so like leaving the philippines um i felt accepting of death Mm. in general and his death wasn't was sudden as well um but with nuri um we haven't seen them right and it feels unreal so it's hard to this day to accept that they are dead like it doesn't feel right yeah so just noticing like yeah having to like switch between two ways of grieving yeah and so i was gonna ask are there elements of you know the the tradition of the philippines that you have brought here or is it when you grieve here like how does that go for you like what what have you done or have you done nothing or mm-hmm. what does that look like i haven't i mean the la- the really f- the first thing i think that grieving was is mm-hmm. when we did karaoke and then yeah. cried yes right so that was like that's the interesting most and i didn't even know they did that in the philippines <laughs> when we did that that's huh crazy right crazy so that was sort of like the first time and i think grieving for me needs to be with people yeah and to talk about them and see for me grieving is in isolation this experience and like being with you and Mm -hmm. um our other friends is the first time i've ever grieved that way how was it it was good yeah it's 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 good it's hard it feels very vulnerable and scary and i was you know i definitely have moments of feeling like Mm self-conscious But I was, you know, you were also, we are all very close. And so I was, I, I was felt safe. Um, yeah. You know, but also having done a lot of my own personal work around it where I, where I could have access to my own feelings. Yes. It was helpful. And so that kind of segues perfectly into the next aspect of this, which is emotional displays, mm. you know? And so, I mean, every culture and society is different as, as far as how it comes, how much emotion is appropriate to show you know and talking about like how much time are people allowed to have Mm -hmm. to grieve and so it's really interesting we put a lot of these mm, boxes around feelings yes 
and there's all these timelines and all of these um, expectations or cultural norms. But really, so, I mean, like, like think about that. Mm-hmm. How long is appropriate to grieve your spouse, your partner? <laughs> Forever? Some people do. Yeah. And then some people, you know, have a different experience of it. Yes. And then so then how long is appropriate to grieve the loss of your parent? Right? I mean, these are all rhetorical questions because there's, of course, no right answer. No. How, How long is appropriate to grieve a pet? Yeah. That has died. So many things. Yeah. And when we talk about grief, you know, as far as like how... There is the, the concept of how much does the culture value that kind of relationship mm-hmm. that will greatly in, like influence how long it's appropriate or yeah. perceived to be appropriate. Right. So when it com- comes to this part, the emotional displays, how was it taken for you at work, especially as a therapist? So, um, well, when I'll just use, so Nudi was my most, you know, the most recent loss. And, um, I, I did end up taking a whole week off of work. Um, and that was good. Mm -hmm. That was the right thing to do for me. Um, and they were, they were fine with it. I was very fortunate, but I mean, I also work in a mental health agency. Um, but that's not always true, even in Mm -hmm. mental health. So they, yeah, they were very supportive and I was given, but I did, feel guilty because I definitely could have taken a second week off but I didn't feel like I could yeah yeah Ooh. yeah and then for me I didn't feel like I could mm. because bereavement is only for people in your immediate family mm. and s- as like a policy at your work or just your mm. Well, as a policy, mm-hmm. but PTO oh. would be something to, like, take the day off. I see. And I hated the fact that it had to be a personal time off mm-hmm. for a death of someone that I love. So it was sort of like stick it to the man, but at the same time, yeah. um, it really did not help me. So... Um, that sort of interesting like injustice part I decided to get in the way of grief because that sounded way better mm-hmm. than doing it the way that I would like to do it mm. uh, but yeah what was the question How do we so emotional remember? displays so we kind of talked about timelines right oh, yeah but then how what is it like to actually express in some cultures, they have wailing ceremonies. Yes. You know, where there is wailing and screaming and, mm-hmm. you know, um, like in groups. Yeah. And like for me growing up in the U.S., like that is so foreign to me, you know, in in both, both meanings of the word mm-hmm. where it's like that. Wow. Like I, that's only something I've ever seen on TV you know, or read about, um, in other cultures, it's not something I've ever experienced or been a part of. Right. (laughs) So that being said, Mm -hmm. how do you express grief? 
I express grief. If at all. I don't. Um, the only time that I would express grief is if I am in a place where that is the purpose. <coughs> Bless uh, you. I see. Excuse me. Does that make sense? So even then, I'm finding the appropriate place uh, to express yeah. grief. I cry a lot in my car. Yes, that one's a good one. Like, that's what I noticed. Yeah, same. And, like, mm-hmm. so what about weeping? Like, do you... So even in, like, I like to think about crying, different kinds of crying. Because mm-hmm. there is sort of the weeping. Yeah. Getting teary-eyed. There's sobbing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mine's weeping. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of floodgates. But also because if we're driving. So. Right. <laughs> That's that's gonna get me in an accident. I'm gonna die. Yeah. So I don't do that. And then also, there's periods of time where I can't cry. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to join and I want to weep and I want to do like the big cries. Yeah. But my body won't let me. Yeah. And then it feels like a betrayal. Like I'm not grieving enough. And then mm. hel- hello sh- shame spiral. Yeah. Um. So we even have judgments about how, how? we don't grieve. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah and like you know we live in an individualistic culture and you know there's sometimes judgment around being too sad mm-hmm. and a lot of shaming and for me I definitely feel a lot of shame um, when I cry I, I usually hide <laughs> when I cry mm-hmm. you know like it's not easy to cry in front of others um and I've actually felt really fortunate, you know, to be able to do that this this time around because um, that that has not been an easy thing for me. Yeah. And I don't think I I don't think it'll ever be an easy thing for me, um, you know, for a lot of reasons. But yes. So. I I kind of in this mode of like, mm-hmm. how do we now bring this into like grief happening as a therapist Mm -hmm. or do you want to go into the disenfranchised grief stuff yeah so i mean well let's talk briefly about how it affects us as therapists okay i mean i think the biggest the biggest thing for me which you know we can certainly talk about other stuff but you know is what we kind of talked about is that we need to cultivate our own relationship with our own grief Mm -hmm. if we want to be able to host the grief of others yes um because otherwise we'll shut it down in covert ways. Mm, like what? Like, I don't know if you've ever, I mean, I've noticed myself do this sometimes mm-hmm. where like I've been sitting with someone and they'll start talking about something and I'm having a response. So I'll change the subject. Ooh. You know? Okay. Yeah. And I don't realize I'm doing it until like later where I'm like, wow, they were trying to tell me about whatever it was. An important thing. Yeah. And I just... I was like, oh, I don't want to think about that. I'm going to ask a question about this. this. So noticing how the conversation gets shifted. Yes. And I'm inattentive. Mm. I become so far <laughs> removed from myself mm-hmm. that it's almost like I'm on autopilot. Yeah. And I think clients can tell mm. where I could be nodding sure uh but during grief that 
that follows you like that's a very potent feeling yes even if you repress that shit Mm -hmm. that um it's so palpable that they know something's wrong Mm -hmm. in the session and it's not okay for our clients to take care of us yeah during those moments so i'd like that we're talking about what grief is for you what are your fears around Mm -hmm. it um, how does it show up for you? And if you don't take care of that or you're not aware of that, um, it could really cause harm. Yeah. Is, yeah. Harm. Do I want to go that far? Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it could in, <laughs> yeah. in the extreme, right? Right. You know, in the lesser extreme, we're just not, we're not inviting, we're not creating an invitation for other people to be able to process their grief. Yes. To have the space to process grief and also acknowledging that therapeutic spaces are really valuable for this work because we do live in a culture that doesn't, that either shuts us down or inhibits or shames us Mm -hmm. for our grief process. So what happens when we have clients who have to go to work, they can't take time off and they're coming into our office and then we aren't in touch with our own grief. And we keep wanting them to focus on parenting. Yeah. You know? Yes. Or how do they can achieve something or create a new treatment goal or other things that become minute Mm -hmm. in comparison to the grief that actually needs to be processed. Yeah. So when we talk about grief again, we've talked a lot about like that there's different kinds of grief, but there's a specific type of grief too that's called disenfranchised grief. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is, again, what we were talking about. This happens when someone's mourning process or grief process gets restricted in some way and stigmatized or they're shaming. And so these, there are a few different examples of this. Mm -hmm. And as we share them, just kind of notice what comes up for you. Like if you've experienced one of these types of grief, which honestly, as I read these, many of us have. Mm -hmm. So in one sense, society will not value the type of loss we've experienced. Now we said like loss of a pet is Mm -hmm. one of those. Um, some individuals have extremely close, deeply personal relationships with their animals. You know, they're like their children. You hear that described a Mm -hmm. lot. And some people, you know, say it was just an animal. You're being too emotional. You need to get over it. Um, But research does show that the mourning period for a pet is about the same as for a human family member. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's a sort of disenfranchisement. And then, of course, there's the loss. The loss is ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the grief, the loss is like around an adopted child mm-hmm. or if the loved one has like dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like that idea that it's not a concrete thing. Yes. So we, So like it's like grieving a concept mm-hmm. or a stage of life. Where it's like, well, nobody died, but that's not the point. There was huge loss. <laughs> there was still something that went away. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then society stigmatizes the circumstances of the loss, mm-hmm. which is so true. Mm-hmm. I mean, pregnancy-related losses is, is often considered taboo. I mean, I have a lot of clients who have undergo a miscarriage and they have such a hard time saying it 
and and to grieve it because oftentimes they find that it's their fault Mm -hmm. um they're being blamed by it you know did you eat this or what did you do Mm -hmm. when you shouldn't have worked out all these kinds of shit which causes them a lot of guilt and shame well and i will say you know from my experience infertility falls under this as well Mm -hmm. so i've struggled with infertility i you know it's an ongoing experience that i struggle with um and there's a lot of that where it's a lot of well have you tried this Mm -hmm. like you need to do this well if you do that you're never going to get pregnant you know so there's all of these sorts of yeah questioning of the circumstances so society doesn't recognize the person's relationship to the deceased Mm -hmm. which you were kind of sharing yep where a coworker or a friend may mourn a person, but they will likely receive less support than a family member. Mm-hmm. And that's apparently the same for ex-spouses. Yes. And also in same-sex partnerships, mm-hmm. you know, in homophobic cultures, um, including ours, <laughs> but, you know, in especially homophobic communities or if the person isn't out. Yeah. So. Right. Wow. That felt, I just felt that like in my gut. <laughs> I, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and how lonely that is. Right. And then, of course, others do not consider the person's capability of grief. And this, we, children mm-hmm. come to mind. Like young children. So what's interesting is there's been research about infants. And um, so in the process of being licensed for foster care, mm-hmm. You know, as part of our uh, CCT training, which is essentially preparing us for fostering, they talked a lot about um, they used to believe that babies could not grieve or feel like emotional pain. And so they didn't think there was any problem having an infant go through 10 different foster homes by the time they were three. Well as we now know attachment is actually pretty stinking important between the ages one of three and really for the rest of our lives and also we are literally born with the maturity of all of our emotions Mm -hmm. so just note like we have all of those things including pain including loss and grief and sadness and all that stuff once we are born yes and so when a baby an infant or a young child experiences loss adults we have a tendency to either brush it off as not being what's happening Mm -hmm. or to make it smaller than it really is yes and that's that's horribly violent you know and deeply inhibiting um and it also models a sort of um style of emotional processing that as we grow into adults we will have to do a lot of work to overcome if we ever do Right. A big one, at least for me, you know, with the clients that I do work with, which are often children, is that sometimes the behavior of their grief is not what they are expecting Mm -hmm. to look like. So if they are angry Mm -hmm. and having behavioral issues, it's really hard to grasp the idea that they're grieving. Yeah. And that they'll say things like, well, they were three when Mm -hmm. that happened. How could they Mm -hmm. possibly Mm-hmm. I was like, well. And yeah, in that same sort of note, um, mm-hmm. when I worked as a family support specialist and I worked with children who had um, developmental disabilities, um, and that was something that often got 
poo-pooed. Well, you know, they have Down syndrome. They don't really know what's going on. Or, you know, they're on the spectrum. They don't, you know, they mm-hmm. don't like being touched. They don't really notice when people leave. And that all of that is Lies. patently untrue. Lies. Yeah. So that's also a type of disenfranchised grief when they're like, well, and this happens with, you know, people who are socialized male or socialized female. Sure. The gender role expectations for how we grieve and what's acceptable Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, that's deeply harmful and damaging to both sides of that. Yes. <sighs> I, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we have at least like passed our hour mark. Okay. So, so let's kind of just start to wrap this up. Um, I guess my hope for this mm-hmm. work is that we, we've just brought up enough questions for you to explore your relationship not only with grief but the things that have shaped the way you grieve and your beliefs around what it means to live you know and what it means to die and then of course to what is the word that I want to talk about to create empathy again Mm -hmm. with our clients and we may not be noticing that grief is actually a big proponent Mm -hmm. to the presenting problem if you will Mm -hmm. um in our sessions right so it'd be really cool that you know leaving this podcast um you sort of can look through this lens again Mm -hmm. um and and sink into it and and the one thing yeah the one thing i want to say to close this out is please take the time to take care of yourself. This is a really tender topic. It mm-hmm. can, even though we're, you know, you're just kind of listening to it and just like taking it in, you may notice that things come up for you, memories come up for you. Um, if you experience bodily sensations or sleep issues or pain, don't ignore those. Mm-hmm. You know, those are aspects, even when we talk about grief, can um, invite us to re experience aspects of it. And so these particular aspects, right, when you look at the five different dimensions, and of course there are more dimensions, but like the physical dimension, which, you know, headaches, sleep issues, changes in appetite, the cognitive aspect, which, you know, trouble focusing or making decisions. um, These are all ways that we take care of ourselves. So just pay attention to these different parts. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you may wish to restrict or avoid alcohol use during this time, although Mm -hmm. alcohol may make you feel temporary better. It is not a long-term solution to grief. Self-compassion, if you end up doing it, mm-hmm. it's totally okay. Yeah. Just notice it. Yeah, ex- and that, yeah, I think that's really important. It's just, just notice what you gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that emotional aspect, you know, there are no bad feelings, mm-hmm. you know, and so that self-compassion piece really comes into play. Um, not needing to put on a happy face. Yep. Asking for what you need, stating what is true for you. Ooh, spiritual aspect. Um, it often sparks questions about death and life. Mm-hmm. And those who have strong spiritual belief may find comfort in talking with their religious leaders. Rituals of mourning can provide validation. That definitely works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people have no defined belief system. Yeah, and for individuals, um, you know, who don't seek out spirit, you know, spiritual practices. Um, there's still existential support groups Mm -hmm. or, you know, you can do journaling, you can do art. There are other ways to sort of access that dimension in a way that's maybe more secular or that is more um, nourishing for you. And then, of course, the social aspect. 
Uh, grief is a difficult process to go through alone. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we do not, um, and like make big enough of. Yeah. And it's also because, yeah, we're actually kind of socialized to suck it up, mm-hmm. to keep a stiff upper lip, if you will. And that's really hard to grieve in a group when everybody's thinking, oh, I should be holding it together better yep. than this. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy if you right. think about it. It is. <laughs> it's really sad. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have that group, you know, know your people. Yes. You know, find your people. <laughs> yes, find your people. That's mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. This was this was a difficult topic. Thank you so much for sticking with us and sharing this space. Mm-hmm. I think it, I mean, I feel like it was important for me anyway to yes. do so, this. And I don't know, what, what was it like for you? I haven't processed it yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is fine. I could let you know the next podcast. Okay. <laughs> or I can write it down and be like, oh, here's Marjorie's thoughts. Okay. All right. And next time we're going to be talking about, um, in our next episode, why self-care is bullshit. <laughs> yes. I feel like people are going to hate us for this because self-care is like literally everywhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Fine. Warm bubble bath. That's great. And we're Not- going to talk about, you know, the bullshittier side of self-care. Because that's the point of our podcast. Yeah. So join us for that and take good care of yourselves in between now and then. All right. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you for listening to our bullshit. Tired of your own excuses? Want to continue the conversation? Hit subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts. And go ahead and leave us a review. It is, for some reason, really important for us to get reviews in order for people to see us out there into the (laughs) internet. And it would be really cool that if you do that, that way when people type in therapy or therapeutic, um, we're up there in the searches. So that would be really cool. And uh, I hope you come back and listen to us.